welcome listeners to season four, episode 15 of Drinking and Screaming, a queer and feminist podcast about horror movies and cocktails. I'm Shar, and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Kelly, and my pronouns are they, them. And this episode, we're joined by the amazing Krista of Laser Comb Productions. Hi guys, I'm Krista. My pronouns are either she, her, or they, them. And this week, we are watching the post-apocalyptic horror bird box from 2018, which works out because, Krista, you have a show. I think you should just plug it now. Go ahead and tell everybody about sure, it. Sure, yeah. Um, <laughs> I just started a show. So my, my partner um, runs Lasercomb Productions. He does a number of podcasts, mostly about 90s cartoons. <laughs> um, but uh, we decided to start one together because we're both big movie nuts, but uh, he did his degree in film, so uh, and I did my degree in English literature. So we are doing a podcast called Based On, where we talk about movies based on books and the books they're based on. Perfect. Woo-hoo! So <laughs> it worked out. Yeah. <laughs> but first, we have an inspired copy creation that we made to match the mood and themes of the movie and Krista made her own at home very awesome had to join so we made this drink to be blindingly deadly Ooh, I see what you did (laughs) this episode will contain discussion on animal death and self-harm if either of these things are something that you need to not hear about today feel free to skip this episode and we'll see you next time I picked the drink this episode it's based on a cocktail called the blind pilot um, I'm, I'll admit I literally Googled blind cocktail and this one popped up and I was like, heck yeah. Uh, and it is blindingly deadly, deadly because it is mostly alcohol. And it doesn't taste like it. <laughs> nope. Spoilers. I've already had a sip and it's so sweet, but you can, it's still str- like, you know how strong it is, yeah. but it's an easy drink for the amount I, of liquor I messed in mine here. up a little bit and got dry vermouth instead of sweet vermouth. Um, oh, so no. mine isn't quite as sweet. And I'm, <laughs> I, I was, I drank exclusively uh, blue curacao and uh, raspberry sourpuss for my Ooh. formative years. So uh, I like a sweet drink. Um, but even even this with the dry was is very very good. Nice. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna get there. I put maybe more than I should have into mm. our cocktail. So. <laughs> You'll get a little bit warm under the collar by the end. Ooh. A little bit, a little bit. Um, so I'm, I'm very, but yeah, it's very good. It's basically like, in terms of like sweetness, it's almost like a Werther's original. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's exactly what that is. And it's kind of like, you can taste the bourbon, but there's still that like, mm, it's mostly sugary, but it's so good. And, <laughs> and I love it. And I love bourbon. And now we have more bourbon because we picked some up for the episode. There you go. It doesn't that just, it's nice when it works out like Don't that. Be good day. <laughs> <laughs> so this week we watched Bird Box, which premiered on December 21st, 2018. It's directed by Suzanne Beer and written by Eric Hesserer and Josh Mallerman. Um, Josh Mallerman is also the author of the novel. Oh. It stars Sandra Bullock as firm survivalist mother Mallory, Trevant Rhodes as survivalist group leader Tom, and Lil Rel Howery as conspiracy theorist, novelist, and grocery clerk Charlie. Yay. And mm-hmm. I stole off of IMDb a uh, synopsis written by Netflix. They didn't really have anyone written by other users, so I'm just going to give some Netflix free promo here. In the wake of an unknown global terror, a mother must find the strength to flee with her children down a treacherous river in search of safety. Due to unseen deadly forces, the perilous journey must be made blindly. Directed by Emmy winner Suzanne Beer, Bird Box is a thriller. 
So we jump back and forth between Mallory's journey alone on the river with the two children named boy and girl. And then back when the apocalypse began with Mallory still pregnant, she enters a home with a group of other survivors who band together and contemplate what the creatures could be. If you look at them, you go mad and commit suicide for unknown reasons. They board the windows up and learn that even looking at the creatures through a screen results in the same grisly demise when one of their housemates dies in an experiment with the home security cameras. Eventually low on supplies, the group does a grocery run by driving via GPS with all the windows of the car blacked out. They make it there safely, sort of, and Mallory (laughs) brings some birds home since they seem to know when the creatures are near. But another member of the group dies due to someone forcing him to look at the creatures. Back on the river, Mallory and her children run into another person on a boat who wants them to look at the creatures. But Mallory manages to fight them off with a machete. Mallory and Olympia both go into labor at the same time back in the past, the same day that they decide to let a stranger into their home. It turns out that the stranger has already seen the creature and we see his eyes have been affected by this and he begins to remove all the window covers, resulting in a bloodbath massacre of everyone (laughs) besides Mallory, her seemingly love interest, Tom, and the two newborns. You fast forward five years and Tom and Mallory are completely in love when their home is attacked by more people who want them to look at the beautiful creatures. Tom sacrifices himself to save everybody. Mallory escapes with the kids and they make it through the rapids on the river and arrive at a sanctuary, a school for the blind. The boy and girl finally earn their names, Olympia and Tom, and they let the birds from the box go free. Yay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Hit me with that trailer audio. All right. People describe seeing an entity that takes on the form of your worst fears. Oh, my God. What are you looking at? What did you see? What is wrong with you? Please stop it. We can't stay here. Every contact we have had with the outside has brought us death. Your kids. They deserve hope. Every single decision I have made has been for them. Um, so before we actually talk about the trailer, I have to make a joke that I thought uh I thought of while watching, <laughs> but I can't possibly make it come up naturally in the podcast. Uh, <laughs> but you gotta is, get the joke out. Which is more like seeing John Malkovich. <laughs> I don't get it. There's a movie called Being John Malkovich. Oh. <laughs> Where everybody is John Malkovich. Yeah. That's it. That's that. So how about that trailer? <laughs> well, just take the synopsis I just read, and basically that was it word for word. That was the longest trailer ever. Yeah, geez. <laughs> well, and they act like they act like there's a lot of jump scares in this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that, like you you're expecting all these like big hits of music and and that's not what the movie is at all. No, it's very pacing. The yeah. uh, I kind of like they did almost like what The Conjuring did with the clapping game. They did the bells, which was kind of cool, like having the the bells persist throughout the trailer. I like the bike bells. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, that was that was too long of a trailer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I guess it's probably like what plays if you hover over Bird Box on Netflix. Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Rather than like just having like one scene that they usually do, they probably have like a long ass trailer that plays to see if you actually want to watch it. I remember getting so hype for this movie by like 
seeing a trailer on Netflix, but it was it wasn't that one for sure. So that's why I'm like weirded out by that. Maybe it was just a teaser that you saw. Yeah, yeah. It was but an ad for the book. Yeah. Well, I read the book before because I saw the the movie, got hype about it, and I was like, oh, it was based on a book. Got to read the book first. Yeah. Um, I did but, that with Watchmen. <laughs> yeah. I, I did attempt. I, I got it from the library. I went to my local Ooh. library and took out Bird Box. Um, I made it a little more than halfway in, so I didn't quite finish it in time. But um, but what I did read of it, I there are definitely like pros and cons to both. Yeah. I feel. Mm-hmm. Did you do yeah. the Bird Box challenge to go to the library? <laughs> Oh God! I, I totally. I, okay, I heard. I don't know if this is like a fact you have, but I heard that that was actually like created by Netflix. Really, as like a prom- promotional thing? Yeah, but they did it like down low, and it was actually like Netflix executives that designed oh, it, and that, then had people doing it. That makes sense. I don't have a scary fact for that. <laughs> That's so bad, though. But I just, I know, right? Oh my God! I know they did write a press release after people were getting injured. Yeah, like one girl tried to drive with a blindfold on and got in a car accident, and they were of like, course. "Hey, we need to not uh, have people do this." So let's um, let's put the yeah. kibosh on that. Holy cow! Little bit. <laughs> yeah. So do you want me to go first with my thoughts? Yeah, go for it. I'll go. I'll put on my blindfold and go first. <laughs> uh, so right off the bat, I love the monster design in this movie, which is kind of ironic because you never actually see the monster. Mm-hmm. But the idea of a creature that makes you immediately go mad upon looking at it is so Lovecraftian. Uh, it's completely my jam. And I mean, we sort of see like the drawings that yeah. I forget his name in the film. Gary. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Does, which is interesting. But for me, seeing the actual like the concept of the creatures is scarier than what they whatever they would look like. Yeah. And I think they did do a good job of having the drawings represent what they look like because like someone's interpretation of the creature is always going to be scarier than what it actually looks like. Mm. And mm-hmm. one of the characters that sees it, the woman that tries to like uh, Dawn's wife who tries to rescue Mallory, she yep. sees her mother. Yeah. Right. Which is weird because it's like implied that yeah. you see the mo- the thing that's most horrifying to you. So it's like, oh, man, that's. Yeah. (laughs) Well, her mom was dead for 10 years. So maybe she looked a bit like dead. Maybe it is like she got in an accident or something and she saw the version of her mom that was from the accident. Yeah. Um, I I love the idea of of like the unknowable. I think it's really good. Um, Yeah. I think in the film, because they did it like it's a breeze of leaves. (laughs) And that was a little like that took me out of it. There's actual like physical. like people touch them or hear them more yeah. in the book, which seemed a little more scary to me. It made them feel more like aliens coming mm. or something. Yeah. Uh, and it was, it felt more believable in the novel. I felt. Yeah. Why do they have a light breeze blowing around them? Is it simply so that there's an effect associated with them appearing? But then Probably. that's the point of the birds in the box is that that's an effect that shows that the monsters are around. See, but the fact that that is so much of an afterthought in this film, I when I wrote the synopsis, I almost didn't include the birds in the box. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I probably should add that in because that's <laughs> the title of the movie. <laughs> it's, it's such a yeah. Considering it's the name of the film, it's such a negligible thing yeah. in the movie. The book, mm-hmm. they, it's a little bit heavier, but still. Yeah, they rely on that as an alarm system yeah. way more than in the book, in the novel. I mean, in the movie. Yeah. yeah. I wrote down in my point that uh, these creatures are the opposite of the Asari in Mass Effect because the Asari specifically are written to be 
they're the most attractive person that you could ever imagine. And everyone sees them different. That's why they're so hot. Um, so, yeah, this is like anti Asari where you're like, oh, God, it's so horrifying. <laughs> Please. Or I guess if you have a um, I don't know if anyone talks about the other people who see the monsters and how that's a little problematic, but oh yeah, if we you're should already talk about crazy, that. this yeah, won't people, bother you. Like, really, guys? People yeah. who are criminally insane, I think is what they say in the movie. Yeah. Um, seeing something, like, extremely beautiful, I guess, is interesting. Like, I wonder if they're seeing the same thing, but to them, it's, it's yeah. glorious and beautiful because mm-hmm. it represents death and, like, suicide and whatnot. Yeah. 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 But, uh, I... I I know that this is a scaredy fact, but we have to talk about the weird baby monster that they designed. Yes. I don't know if Kristen knows about this. I do not. Okay. So their intent was to actually show the monster at some point in the movie. And it was going to be through the perspective of Mallory. So I don't I don't know okay. what they were going, if she was going to witness it or if it was like us seeing what she would have seen. But it was just a, a tall man in like a baby suit. <laughs> have you ever... <laughs> What's that? What's that movie? I think in Brazil, the movie there's like a baby mask or something. Yeah, oh, there's like a. Oh, okay, yeah. There's like a weird baby face. It kind of looked that, but a little cracked a little bit. Because the most terrifying Ooh. thing to Mallory is babies, which we do actually see at the beginning. She really feel is scared about like not being attached to her kid when it comes and all that. Yeah. yeah. And the whole film, even it's more in the book. Like she, well, I'll, I'll talk about that when I get there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the I think, relationship I I a similar feel to you. Yeah, yeah. of the kids and Mallory is so different in this. She just like yeah. immediately falls in love with them, which is cool. But I mean, well, and I, I feel like, again, yeah. this kind of ties into like the mental illness part of it of like, okay, like this woman is essentially terrified of postpartum depression. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, but that's like it's a, that's OK. You can get through that. But it, they treat it like it's this horrible, horrible thing. And it's yeah. like, well, maybe it's not, guys. Like, maybe it's just a part of life. Let's work on it together. <laughs> I wonder if she would. Because I, I, they did film a scene with the baby mask. But Sandra Bullock found it hilarious. And like the whole, <laughs> the whole cast, like decided everybody decided that, like, we can't do this. It's going to make yeah. the scene funny. So I wonder if she saw it before she gave birth or after, because I could I could see that it taking on that personification of a baby before she gave birth, because she had mentioned like not wanting to give birth. And when when mm-hmm. her water eventually broke, she even like told Tom, like, I'm not ready kind of yeah. thing. I mean, I feel like everybody would be like that <laughs> in <Yeah>. that moment. <laughs> I'd yeah. <be> so scared. <laughs> yeah, not great. Yeah, this no. Oh, man, I don't. Does anyone talk about the scene of them giving birth? That did not make giving birth seem worth it. <laughs> Just mutual suffering between these two women. It's like, yeah. no, no, all right, cool. I, I think that did, I, like, although, like, that scene very much is like, this is birth, like, it's awful, but the women are going to support you. Like, yeah. that's about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they, it looked like like they were both retched over their beds and screaming. Yeah. It's not great. No. <laughs> some show, some movies and shows try to make childbirth look like clinical and nice in the hospital and everyone's holding your hand. But like two women screaming over like disheveled beds is a it's a positive, positive. Image, I guess. But they yeah. everything always makes it seem so quick. Yeah. Like this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Five yeah, minutes. They were done up. like that. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyways, that's my first point is the monsters are cool and I like the concept. Yeah. My second <laughs> point is that the the climax of this movie was real dumb. Real, real dumb. You don't like wind attacking people and yeah. that being the whole thing? I, 
No. So I don't know what you said that the monsters are like more physical, like there's more physicality in the book itself. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know what I don't know what's going on in the book. I'm not I'm not one of those reader types. I don't have the sensibility. Um, but the in terms of simply the movie, the climax was like the antithesis of the entire concept of the monsters. Yeah. Like, we never established that they can touch people or like physically kill them their, mm-hmm. themselves or mm-hmm. anything like that. Even if it happens off screen, like us as the viewers are never taught that that's a concept. So the fact that Mallory was concerned about being chased by the wind was kind of dumb. It seemed like she was kind of like putting everybody at risk by tripping over a branch like she literally did 10 minutes ago just just to (laughs) run away from the concept of these creatures. When they talk about I don't know if they mention it as much in the movie, but um, they talk about like, you know, like. They they build helmets in the book in case a creature tries to pull their mask off. Oh boy! Mm-hmm. So it it definitely and and again in the in the book like they they have a well that they go to and there's a point where like the one guy thinks he pulls a creature out of the well because the bucket's heavier and then he hears wet footprints next to him. That like part is so fo- scary. <laughs> that, and they yeah, cut it was out like, of the book. They needed yeah. more Sandra Bullock wandering uh, around in the woods. Oh my god, yeah. But the like, yeah, like that's the thing. Like everything that happened in the book is fine. Like the book, I consider the book's universe and the movie's universe Very separate different. because you have to establish through the movie what the universe is. You can't assume that yeah. people have read the book. So like that 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 climax was a hundred percent just visual effects for the sake of like action at the end of the movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always thought it was weird in the movie that they just put like loose fitting blindfolds on their head. Especially when there's people wandering around with like metal hooks that are going to rip your blindfolds off. I would yeah. build a mask. I would put a fucking like huge thing over my eyes. I would staple shit into the side of my head so I couldn't yeah. take off my glasses. Olympia wears like a sleep mask, which I think even was yeah. better than what a lot of them had. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's like, I think that's the point. This ending of this film would make more sense if they established that the creatures were more physical because then it they could take them off. So yeah. just knowing that they're nearby is extra <clears throat> scary. But yeah. because that never happened, it doesn't make sense even having like a a group of humans that are trying to chase them through the woods would have been better Mm -hmm. but i guess at that point it kind of like breaks down like how is this school safe there's still people out there that are going to try to like break in yeah i think they just i think at the end of the day they were just like how do we make the climax of this movie seem more action-packed yeah Um, yeah totally but there's there's a lot in the film that is very much like this is for cinematic excitement more Mm -hmm. than anything and they could have like they could have done almost anything like have someone standing next to an open door get ripped out by the monsters or something to show that they're physical like that's still action-packed but like has a it's a millisecond to establish that these things can attack you and are these things vampires like they can't come in your house unless you invite them (laughs) yeah what is up with classic vampires (laughs) and all the windows are like covered but like they're pretty thin coverings on these windows it's Hmm. also like how much of the monster do you have to see because mallory sees its feet underneath the door so is like shouldn't Shouldn't like some spooky feet be enough to make you want to kill yourself? I don't know. Mm. Maybe you have to like yeah. make a connection, you know, eye contact. Eye to eye. <laughs> if it yeah. even has eyes, we don't know. We, I mean, well, it depends. Yeah. If eyes don't freak you out, then maybe it doesn't have eyes. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, you, the, and it affects you through film as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But not the silhouette through your loose-fitting blindfold. Yeah, exactly. 
exactly. Charlie had fucking tinfoil on his glasses. That he knew what was going on. He knew what was up. He yeah. was so yeah. good. I, I wish Charlie. there was more Charlie. Yeah. I mean, I love I love that actor and everything that he's yeah. in. I'm not what else is he in? I, I recognized him, but I couldn't place he's him. He's like the dorky uh friend in Get Out. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah, he's wonderful in that. Yeah. He always kind of <laughs> plays that like dorky best friend. Yeah. Funny, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's you know in what? the Friends remake too. Oh yeah, he's in the like the, the music video Friends. from uh, Moonlight. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I love yeah. that. <laughs> um yeah, I think he's Joey. Anyways, that's my points. It's time for Whispers from Beyond. This is the part of our show where we get to thank you, the audience. Thank you so much for interacting with us on social media, for emailing the show, for writing reviews on Podchaser or Apple Podcasts. We have a new review that we would love to read. The title definitely means you watch the show because it says, Go Women! Yay. <laughs> Very fun twist on a movie review recap podcast. I love the queer perspective on things and always appreciate the trigger warnings at the top of the episode. B from Idaho. Thank you very much. And Thanks, I'm, B. I'm, uh, it's always nice to hear from people who listen and go women. Go women. I we love that we do the content warnings as well. Um, we use when we're about to watch something that we never watch, have never seen before. We use doesthedogdie.com. I highly recommend it to anyone who's trying to adventure off into the world of horror when you don't know what you're going to get into. It covers almost every content warning you could think of, not just dog dying. Yeah. There's apparently an app, too, which I might actually download. Nice. Krista. <laughs> uh, awesome. Um, yes. Uh, a lot of mine did come from kind of the comparison, um, but uh, like because the book I felt was very amateurly written. Like I was reading it and everything felt like it's written in in present tense which is always a bit of a red flag for me in mm -hmm, books mm -hmm. um and and the film definitely the dialogue is way better <laughs> in the movie <laughs> than the book uh, the entire time i was like people don't talk like this uh, <laughs> um i think i think there were definitely points in the film that were very yeah like exciting but i'm a, not a horror movie watcher. I mm. am the person that stays up for three days because they're scared of things. This movie didn't bother me. <laughs> well, that's um, good of you to say because a lot of our listeners are little scaredy cats themselves. Yeah. Yes. Um, no, I am so an maybe... absolute wimp. <laughs> <laughs> then watch Bird Box. It's okay. Definitely. <laughs> I'm curious. Is it because like you don't actually see anything? Well, see, no, like my imagination is what usually sets me mm. off. But like I found that this is one of my other points was that, that, like they never feel like a threat, really. Like they climb over the car, but they don't try to get into the car. They show up around the house and you see shadows of them, but they never come in. Like there's nothing about them that's actually threatening. Yeah. yeah. And there's the, like, oh, sorry. Yeah. No, go ahead. The beginning, like the climax of the start of the film where everyone you see everybody's committing suicide in various ways is in interesting. But at that point, you still don't even know enough about what's going on as Mallory herself doesn't know. They yeah. put it together at, inside the house. Weirdly and then that's quick. like because oh. of Charlie, because Charlie's writing a book. Yeah, <laughs> he's writing Bird Box, y'all. <laughs> he really is. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's it, though. And then yeah. 
we get the weird wind at the end. Yeah. So there was, I totally agree with you, Krista. Like there's no real fear of the creatures. Like, yeah, there's no stakes. so odd. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. It's, it's very like even, and, and even in like in the book, but even more so in the film was very much like, yeah, they're out there. They're walking around with blindfolds on. Like if there were creatures that were trying to kill us, they would just do it. Like, yeah. It's it's a very strange. Con- yeah, I just felt like there was no stakes. Um, it it definitely the, the the book has a little bit more of like a hopeless feeling, which I think is kind of like that's more interesting to me is the human condition of like, what are the humans doing to each other? And that's what I cared about. And we didn't quite get enough of that in the movie. Like there was bits and pieces. I am not a John Malkovich fan. <laughs> I'll be honest with everybody. Uh, this last episode of Based On, I went on a rant about how I don't like John Malkovich. <laughs> um, but he was one of my favorite parts of this movie because he seemed like the most genuine reaction to everything that was going on. Mm. And I really like Don. I really liked Don, even in the book, like. The dialogue was awful, but he seemed like he was reacting correctly to everything, being like, this is we don't care about the creatures, whatever the creatures are going on. We don't know. But there's people out there that are going to come for us and they're the ones that can break down our door. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, you and me, Don, like, let's go. We're going to survive this. Like, (laughs) That's so interesting that you bring that up, because I I talk about that on the show all the time about how much I. I'm so scared of people. I'm not scared of monsters, of ghosts, of whatever. In any of these situations, it's always the other humans that are going to fuck you up because yeah. they're so selfish and they'll just take whatever they need. Totally. So the Even the humans' intentions, though, aren't believable. Like, why aren't you just driving around with bricks, shattering all the windows? Yeah. Like, like your, your idea is to sneak in and become friends with this group who own a shotgun and the main leader is actively an alcoholic who's very angry at people. <laughs> I mean, it works. So, like, can we really yeah, blame true. him? <laughs> but, like, you, you could have grouped up with those people who made you look at it and just throw some windows or some throw some rocks at yeah. the windows. Mm-hmm. It's uh, strange. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was ba- like that was a big part of it. Like, I just felt like there was nothing of a threat and the entire time I'm sitting there being like, where are all of the blind folks? Cause they'd be fine. Like they should be going around saving people. Yeah. Like I just expected to see, you know, someone walk up and tap on the door and be like, Hey guys, like I can take you <laughs> out, put a blindfold on. They don't attack anybody. So I'm good. Let's go. I've been walking this area for the last like 50 years. We're good. Let's go on a road trip. Yeah. Totally but, true. Yes. Yeah. Hey guys, but if you set up some uh, home alone style traps around your house, the humans will stumble and fall but it's chill as fuck. I know how to get to the grocery store, guys. Exactly, right? (laughs) So true. I I just kept being, and and again, like with this whole, they made like, you know, oh, well, the children will never see the sky and they're never going to have, they're never going to be able to see the trees. And it's like, well, that's some people's reality. And it's not, it's not not that bad. End of the world. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Also, do the creatures fly? Can't you just go up onto like the, the roof and look up real quick to be like, hey, there's this guy, guys. All right, close your eyes. <laughs> you, fair, I mean, would you take point. that risk? You've got a bird box. Isn't that the point of the fucking bird box? I'm <laughs> but it's the fear. You don't know. You don't know. The creatures don't fly. You've established that you've got an alarm system. Go on the roof one day and let the kids look at the fucking sky and be like, yeah, that's a sun. Look at that cloud. Oh, the birds are freaking out. Put, close your eyes. 
Yeah. Don't even have to put on your blindfolds. Just shut your lids. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's yeah, it, it's very strange. I just like the whole time. And then, of course, like we get to the end of the film and it's like, oh, OK, we found the blind school. Uh, great. Awesome. This is what like why? Why have you guys been here? Like you guys clearly could have been saving people. Get out there. Come on, guys. Let's yeah. go be heroes. Like, <laughs> it's, it was just a very strange concept to be like, talk about how awful it was not seeing things. And then at the end be like, oh, yeah, these guys have been fine. Yeah. Maybe we should have not acted like this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But yeah. We're going to take a moment to talk about our socials and sponsors. This season of Drinking and Screaming is sponsored by American Nightmare Candle Company. Discount time. Get 10% off your order on their Etsy page with code DRINKANDSCREAM. Bring the horror into your home with a handmade soy wax candle from American Nightmare Candle Company. The scents are inspired by locations iconic to the horror genre. Places like the Overlook Hotel, Sleepy Hollow, and Elm Street. Each fragrance combination is carefully curated to transport you into the story and the catalog is ever evolving. Available for purchase at Etsy.com slash Nightmare Candle Co. We can't speak more highly of them. They're fabulous. Please go give them a purchase. I just got I still I'm waiting for it to arrive but the train to Busan candle and their fancy safety matches I'm excited this season of drinking and screaming would not be possible without the support from Mad Lab Distillery we use their bitters in today's cocktails I snuck a little marzipan in there for us and I've I honestly can't think of the last time I made a cocktail without using one of their bitters so they are essential to any mixologist's uh, toolbox what do we call it sure that's good bar but (laughs) even if you want to pretend to be a fancy mixologist get their line of bitters it's super super great and I feel like I didn't talk too much about the drink in today's episode Kelly I just want to give you a nice little tip of the hat this is very, very tasty. It's because you're drunk now, so you like you like <laughs> me more. You can get their awesome stuff at madlabdistilling.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at drink underscore scream, on Facebook at drink and scream, and you can email us at drinkingandscreaming at gmail.com. For more information and to buy some merch, go to drinkingandscreaming.com. Hey, Krista, why don't you tell us about yourself? Uh, hey, guys, I'm Krista of Lasercomb Productions. You can check out my uh, podcast where we talk about movies based on books and the books that they're based on called Based On. Um, you can also find me over at Dork Tales, where I like to play tabletop role-playing games and be a dork in general. Kaka! Oh, wait, I have to do it muffled. Oh, the birds are the birds are boxing. It's time to get back to, back to the episode, I guess. The monsters here, uh, they don't really serve a purpose. I don't know why I brought them in here. For me, it's I want to talk specifically. We've kind of been like dancing around it, but like the book and the movie, I feel like a lot of stuff was cut for time from the book, like all adaptations. And you got to take speak for yourself. Watchmen was frame for frame. (laughs) The Watchmen comic is a storyboard, though. Yeah, that was four hours of Watchmen right there, (laughs) except for the last part. We don't talk about the last part. Yeah, but I feel like they also 
extended a lot of moments in the film to I assume make us try and like connect with the characters more mm-hmm. but it didn't work for me I found they also changed like the where the in time the apocalypse has happened because in the novel so much time passes before Mallory leaves her home yeah. to get to the house and that's what the house with all the survivors and that's oh. what makes more sense to me like So many people are already dead. Like the threat is way higher in the book and it's more about survival without, you know, without internet, without light, without food. Like what are you going to fucking do? It's more a zombie apocalypse esque of a story, uh, which I love zombie stories. So (laughs) it really worked out for me. And I feel like there was almost no reason to jump between the river and the house in the film. For sure. They didn't include a lot of like the tension of the river. It's like it's more of like a physical feat that Mallory has to complete in the book. And uh, she gets like mauled by a bear or a wolf. We don't really know. Uh, So she has to do it with like a huge gouge out of her arm. And of course, she's dealing with her kids. But the kids. okay, (laughs) holy crap. The kids are so annoying in this movie. (laughs) I hate that. They're useless. They're useless. (laughs) And they they don't do what they're told. It just is so annoying, especially because Mallory is so cold in the book. I mean, yeah. they they show it in the movie, too. But the kids are treated like animals in the novel. Like, they're trained. She, like, from birth, smacks them on the face if they wake up with their eyes open. Yeah. If they wow. wake up with their eyes closed, she'll, like, breastfeed them. Um, and it, she's also alone. Like, Tom dies in the massacre. Yeah. Uh, so she's alone with her two kids. So she has to be that hard to ensure that they live. And I just feel like the stakes were so low in the movie. Tom coddled those kids. Yeah. <laughs> they need to be able to dream of the sky. Yeah, because it doesn't even really make sense for kids to grow up being like our normal kids. Like, I haven't seen the latest seasons of Walking Dead, so I don't know how ass kicker turns out. <laughs> but like a kid that is trapped inside all of the time yeah. without the basic necessities, seeing their parents have to survive and stuff like that should probably pick up some of that and not be just like meandering idiots who wander off into ghost yeah. monster infested territory. Mm-hmm. Well, and they like they definitely, you know, they show a little bit of the like training for the hearing and stuff. But in like in the novel, they're very much like they they could tell when I was smiling. Mm. Like you could I would yeah, they she would like walk around the house and do things and they would respond of like exactly what she did in every room around the house while they sat downstairs. Which seems like, you know, a lot more militant and yeah. made them a lot more like useful. How the hell did these movie kids make it to five years? <laughs> well, Tom was protecting them, I guess. Yeah, exactly. By punching the demons. I don't <laughs> <laughs> I did yeah. I there was a point in the movie that I wish that they had explored a little bit more with the kids, which was um when she sits there and I, I haven't gotten to the point in the book, so I don't know if they do it in this as well. But when she sits down and is like one of you is gonna have to look. Mm-hmm. in the rapids and that was interesting to me i was like is she gonna pick her kid is she gonna pick mm. olympia's kid what are we gonna do and i was really interested in that and then they're like 
no, we're just going to all die on the rapids together, yeah, I guess. It. So whatever. And I'm yeah. like, oh, okay, well, fine, I guess. Yeah, I on that point, there's like two moments where the parents have like a fuck it moment, and I hate them both. Like Tom fighting the, um, I don't know what they call them in the book or the movie, the others, I guess, uh, you know, yeah. from, from Lost. The, the people others. With, yeah. that have seen the creatures and didn't die. And, he, yeah. and he's specifically like, ah, fuck it, and takes off his blindfold. But at no point, like, between shooting people, does he close his eyes? Like, yeah. and then he hears a noise behind him of rustling wind and turns around like a goddamn idiot. It's been five fucking years of these things flying around mm-hmm. and you're going to look at a wind, you idiot. Yeah. Um, and then I mean, the f- he's already dead in the book at that point. So yeah, that whatever. doesn't even happen. They, they made like, it up. We need to get rid of him before the river. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. And then, yeah, Mallory's like, fuck it moment on the river. It's like, well, why did why were the stakes so high if you could just make it down the river with your eyes closed anyways? Yeah. Yeah. It's also like why they made it rapids for the book or for the movie, which to me, like seeing on rapids isn't going to really help you. Like the odds are you're going to fucking fall out of that boat on a rapid. So the the, like who's going to look thing didn't really make sense to me. Whereas in the book, it's a fork of like four different paths that they have to take and they have to take the right one. So it's more like crucial about who looks. And okay. Wait, I got a quick point on that. They have to know where to go on a fork on the road, right? Yeah. Why don't they pull off the off the river and just wait until the bird box calms down and then look real quick so they can see which fork it is? Because it's too scary. I don't guess. know. And I guess we don't know the range because, like, if you're on a river, it's like okay, it could be hundreds of feet away to look. Yeah. Yeah. But you could still just see do, them. Do the thing where you put your hand over your eyes, like you're looking at the sun, and just slowly peek up at the yeah. fork. <laughs> like, oh well, yeah. Gotta- but apparently, you can see their feet, and it's fine. So yeah. it's, it's fine. Or even a telescope, so you just see like one little section at a time, right? <laughs> like, yeah, there's so many things. Yeah. And then the ending, this is, I'm so sorry, Krista, spoilers for you. No, go for it. But um, they don't find a school for the blind. They find a group of people that decide to gouge their own eyeballs so that they never have to see, which is very interesting. And then it's like, yeah. as you're reading the novel, because it's so much more like the fear of humans is way bigger in the book. Having that reality thrust upon you is like, oh, are they going to be forced to do that themselves now, too? Is she going to have to do that to her kids? But then they're mm-hmm. like, oh, just kidding. You can like make whatever choice. But that there's like a real moment, uh, like lengthy part of the ending there of that fear before they're told that it's OK. And I feel like that's interesting. And you, Kelly, yeah. you, <laughs> while we were talking, you were like, I would just staple shit to my eyes. I'm like, yeah. you're not far off from what people do in the book. I mean, like, <laughs> I was thinking about that. Like, a ch- like if you've got enough time to make, like, helmets in the book, like, you could make, like, a chastity belt for your eyes where there's, like, yeah. a buckle in the back that, like, Under you your lock. chin. And, Even if it's, like, yeah. semi-permanent, like, nailing stuff into your into your head or whatever and then like just maintaining it or whatever yeah. at least then Harrison if you Ford stapled his hat to his head in Indiana Jones I'm sure stapling <laughs> something onto your face you'd be fine yeah and then because I, I would do something that's semi-permanent because then if the apocalypse ends if the the demons fuck off or whatever you can yeah. take take it off and like you might have a massive scar but at least you're not you're not dead and then mm-hmm. you can help people because you have like the ability to see and stuff like that yeah yeah like obviously the people who gouge their eyes off w- will adapt and stuff but well like, she in she goes to blind them with bleach the babies right when yeah. they're born mm-hmm. yeah but do- doesn't end up doing it obviously but like think like has the bottle and is like oh 
then doesn't. And then, I mean, the kids are going to forget that trauma and then just be blind. I mean, would that be better? Yeah. That's her theory. There's a second book that I haven't started yet, but it's called Mallory, and I'm very interested to see what happens. (laughs) I found it interesting that in the movie, they call her Mallory. Yeah. Because they both call her Mummy in the Mm. book. Mm. Hmm. I want, that was an inter the, the differences between Mallory being like a I don't know how old Sandra Bullock is mid forties mm-hmm. versus she's twenty two or like something really young yeah. yeah yeah her reaction makes more sense at twenty two and a one night stand and she's pregnant all of a sudden her kind of panic of how am I going to survive this felt a little more genuine and then she also like it's at the beginning of her pregnancy in the novel and then the apocalypse happens so like well you can't really do anything about it but in the movie she's the apocalypse starts when she's almost due like a month away or whatever yeah Yeah. um so she's made the decision to at least have the kid and then give it away she's like uh considering adoption but yeah. it's very interesting the changes that they made. Uh, Everything Bullock happens was, way faster, yeah. Yeah. Sandra Bullock was 53 in this movie. Yeah. And then they took out the dog, and the dog was one of my All favorite the dogs. parts. Yeah. yeah. But like Vincent is so, or Victor, I can't remember. Victor, Victor, yeah. yeah. Victor is so cute. And what I is, mean, obviously, they oh. took out the dog, so you don't have to see the dog die, which is great. But um, I would have liked like, to. significance of the dog in the book? Um, he helps Mallory live. Uh, like all of them survive. He goes out on runs with them for a while. They think that he like animals are immune. Yeah. Um, but then it turns out that they just never came across one while they were out. And then the dog does see one and it gets really sad. Yeah. And she has to kill her dog. I mean, Oof. they do show a horse on the news. Um, At the beginning. In the movie. Yeah. But then mm-hmm. I'm like, did the rider see it? But the horse did not. But I think it was just yeah. supposed to be a visual metaphor for her sister. Mm-hmm. She yeah, was, I think she so. was a horse lady. Yeah, such a weird like. It was totally so made up. Yeah, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> Does she have a sister in the book? Yeah, oh, she yeah. spends the beginning of the apocalypse with her, and her death is not a car crash. She um, commits suicide. She accidentally sees through like an upstairs window when she's like fixing the blankets mm. and then she like kills herself in the bathroom. It's oh, really yeah. sad. And then Mallory finds her and is like, oh my God, I'm all alone. I guess I have to go to this house that had an ad in the paper when the apocalypse started. So I know where it is. Yeah. Not, I'm going to randomly enter a stranger's <laughs> home while I'm running on the street. Yeah. Everything yeah. just happened way too fast in the film. It was just like, okay, there's a thing happening. Okay, we're on the street. Okay, my sister's dead. Okay, I found this house. Okay, we're figuring out the video thing. Okay, we're doing, like, it was just blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Totally, I agree. Yeah. I think they tried to make the river seem like a like a time jump. Like, anytime the river mm. showed up, you're supposed to assume that when you come back to present day, it was like several weeks or something. Mm-hmm. But it definitely did not feel like that. And everyone wore the exact same clothes, which really, really made it not feel like that. Uh, totally. <laughs> Like, Charlie's still wearing his vest, like, presumably a month later, and it's, all right, man, you rock it. Yeah, like, they ran yeah. out of food, so obviously time had to have passed. Yeah. 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 Very, very strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I did. There's, there was one scene I act, I actually laughed out loud sitting watching this movie alone, was they cut back to the the river, and there's, like, an overhead shot, and it's they're floating down the river, and it's, like, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> and I was, like, what is happening right now? Because the entirety of this film is very like it's supposed to be tension, but it's like wah 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 like some crazy. <laughs> fil- it was very strange to me. Very strange. Yeah. Very strange. Yeah. All right, 
speaking of seeing things that drive us crazy, there's a book and it looks like my mom. Oh no, it's a face. I don't know. Small baby book. Any, anyways, let's open it up because it's time to open the Reconomicon. It's our recommendation section of the podcast. I am recommending Blindness from 2008. It's a movie about everyone in the world going blind and they have to form like this scary commune to stay alive. Uh, there is a huge sexual assault content warning in this movie. So uh, warning for that. But beyond that, it's actually quite good. And Char was in a play about blindness once. Yeah. Sandra Oh is in it. Yeah. And uh, Mark Ruffalo. There's like huge names in that movie. I feel like not a lot of people know it. It's yeah. really good. Uh, I've never so heard of it, yeah. Blindness from 2008. My recommendation is, uh, I don't watch, like I said, I don't watch a lot of horror movies. Um, this movie definitely made me want to watch Day of the Triffids, which I haven't seen, but Ooh. I know it, it is predominantly about a man who loses his sight and then gains his sight back and the rest of the world has lost their sight because Ooh. of an asteroid. Uh, he loses his sight originally from a triffid, which is a weird like carnivorous plant that blinds him. Okay. Uh, made me want to watch that, but I haven't seen it, so I can't really recommend it. Um, but I did recently watch The Stand, uh, which is 2020, 2021 film, I guess. Yeah, it just came out on Amazon. Uh, well, it's a, it's a short series based on the Stephen King novel, The Stand. It's the second uh, televised version of this. Um, but I described it as, if you like post-apocalyptic stories that don't actually resolve, but present like they have an happy ending... <laughs> that's kind of what this is and uh alexander skarsgård's in it and he's dreamy so um i have only one question him. yeah is stephen king involved in the production at all i didn't look at the thing actually and it's probably he wasn't the original it, it would yeah. be really easy to tell all right cool. Cool, cool, cool. that's all i needed to know it's it's a little rough to oh james marsden is in it as well uh cyclops oh, himself yeah. and yeah. he's he's also very dreamy so it's just a lot of pretty people to stare at it's good times <laughs> My recommendation is The Silence from 2019, which is a very bad movie, but it's very similar theme. So you, there's a chance that you might like it, especially if you like post-apocalypse stuff. Um, when I read Bird Box, I wanted to look up similar books immediately, and one of them was The Silence. But it follows the family of a deaf teenager when the world is overrun by bat-like creatures that hunt via sound. Uh, so it's also very similar to A Quiet Place. Um, but that's The Silence from 2019. It's got Stanley Tucci. Also, I just Googled oh, both nice. The Silence and The Stand, and their marketing is almost identical. It's a, <laughs> it's a picture of people on a road with a power line along the dusty road, and that, that freaked me out for a second. There. <laughs> I did hear from your last week's guest of Kelly Clark. Um, he told me that the voice of... Uh, Patrick Starr from Spongebob is in the stand. Oh, really? <laughs> oh. Who is one of my favorite characters. He's wonderful. Um, he is a uh, uh, mentally uh, underdeveloped gentleman who is wonderful and he's just the best character in the entire film and he's such a badass and he's so awesome. Huh. I love him. But he's apparently the voice of Patrick Starr. <laughs> he's very good in it. Good. <laughs> Alright, it's time for Scaredy Facts. This is the part of our podcast where we invite you all into our home, our relationship, and uh, we board Ooh. up the walls so that we can read some trivia facts about the movie we just saw and make us realize that there weren't monsters, well, both in the movie and in reality. So Just wind. Just some wind that they probably used like, uh, you know, leaf blower. <laughs> so I did the Scaredy Facts for this episode. Yes. And actually, I think I'm realizing now that this budget is not right. Oh, no. IMDb changed on me. Has 
Has anyone gone on IMDb lately? It was entirely different. I couldn't find the Bird Box budget. Let me just Google Bird Box. Bird Box. Bird Box budget. Bird. Bu- bu- oh Jesus bu- Christ. Bu- bu- <laughs> <laughs> bird Box budget. Um. Apparently, it cost nineteen point eight million dollars to make Bird Box. All right, Bird Box. And Thank all you. of that was uh, John Malkovich and Sandra. Bullock's salary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, I totally true. I can't find how much money it made, but one of my scaredy facts involved that, so that's good. Okay, good. <laughs> um, apparently, a Barclay study deduced that had the film received a traditional theatrical release, it would have probably grossed around $98 million. Wow. Uh, but as we know that it was released digitally, which, um, not great. But I do it. It became like Netflix's number one film ever. Like so many people watched it when it premiered. Yeah. Uh, I remember it was around Christmas time and it was it was interesting. Like so many news articles. It just spiraled. Yeah. Yeah. It became a big may may. Um, (laughs) My next fact is that I have three Sandra Bullock blindfold related facts. One. Apparently, she insisted on wearing the blindfolds for uh, scenes that involved it. They suggested maybe they could cut holes in CGI fabric onto it, but she insisted not to. Oh, yeah, I would do that, too. Uh, yeah. Two, she ran into the camera <laughs> quite, quite a lot. Of course, because you're blind. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, and three, uh, she probably wore it about 50% of the production, uh, wow. which is... Wow. Interesting. Dedication. Yeah. Yeah. Trent Reznor, who made the music for this, uh, he told Variety that he felt scoring this movie was a waste of time because they mixed the music so low that you couldn't hear it anyways. Except for all the river where it goes. Yeah. (laughs) And then like the occasional like piano, I think, or like synth piano. It had a very like a quiet place music to it. Oh, yeah. You commented that when we were watching. Yeah. Yeah. Like when the family is just kind of hanging out in a quiet place. It's got similar uh, musical treatment to this movie. This is an interesting historical fact about cinema. At 1305, there is a shot of an abandoned baby stroller rolling down the street, which is extremely noticeable if you watch the movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, This may be a nod to the silent classic The Battleship Potemkin from 1925, in which a baby carriage rolls down a long staircase during a scene of mass violence. Uh, This famous scene has also been referenced in other films, such as The Untouchables in 1987. The image of an abandoned baby provides a powerful representation of a society descending into chaos, which I think was very well represented in the beginning of this movie. Yeah. I remember we we watched it last night really late. We'd seen it before, but we wanted to watch it again before recording. And um, we were also making dinner at the time. And Kelly was like, oh, just start it without me. It'll be OK. And then as soon as it start, you know, really amps up at the beginning, they were like, oh, God, please pause it. <laughs> I want to <laughs> see this good. part. <laughs> <laughs> that baby it's stroller. A good, like everything's going to hell moment. Like it's it's almost like a universal roller coaster ride. Yeah. Yep. It definitely makes you feel like everything's falling apart for sure. Yeah. yeah. In December 21st, 2018 interview with Bloody Disgusting, it was mentioned that the producers wanted the creatures. Oh, never mind. I read this. The creepy baby. The baby. The baby. Scary. <laughs> Scary baby. Uh, so this one's interesting. We mentioned that Sandra Bullock is 53 in this movie. She's actually 26 years older than her on-screen romance, uh, Trevante Rhodes. Which I wrote this fact because there's so many times in cinema where it's the other way around. It's yeah. always the guy that's like 60 and the woman is like 25. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, especially with that famous director that we will not name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I thought I 
I still don't think it's okay to do this, but I think it's interesting that in this movie, the woman is uh, much older than the man. Yeah. And they're both like over 30. So it's like, whatever. at that point, make your own choices. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I I would say like, yeah, absolutely. Like make your own, like do you, it's all good. I mean, he's a good looking guy. I'll be glad. Sure, go for it, man. <laughs> the end of the I, world. Yeah, he was 31. Oh, no, he was... Exactly. Sorry, three... Uh, what is it? 2021, 2025? 20, what year is it now? What? Oh, God, you're making me doubt now. 21? Uh, yeah. So this was three years ago, so he would actually have been 28 when filming this movie. Yeah. Or 27. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. I, I just... Their, their romance doesn't make sense anyway, but whatever. Yeah. You're, and it's you not do in you. the no, it's not. And romance makes sense because they're both hot people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. I've, I missed that part. Right? Yes. They're both That's very what attractive. makes us care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and my final one, there actually weren't too many um, interesting trivia bits about this movie. Hmm. When discussing potential baby names, Olympia says that she's thinking of Ariel, Jasmine, or Cinderella, which are all Disney princesses, which I specifically brought this fact up because at the end of the movie, Mallory disregards what Olympia wanted to name her own daughter and names her fucking Olympia. Because they yeah. talk about that. <laughs> yeah, they have this moment when they're uh, when she just meets Olympia and like obviously Olympia is very much attached to her pregnancy. So she's making the conversation with Mallory, who is really scared about her pregnancy. But mm-hmm. To actually have that moment included and then just fucking disregard is it's intense. It's a it's a throwaway <laughs> scene that talking about Olympia wanting to name the kid something because it's never like name the kid Ariel. If you want to honor Olympia, name it the fucking thing she wanted to name the baby. Yeah, there are so many points in this film that that happens where it's like, oh, we're doing a thing. No, apparently we're not. Oh, yeah. We're doing a thing. No, apparently we're not. Like, it's just a constant theme. Yeah, yeah, I've uh, this is an entirely different side point, but I've been watching um, Ryan George on YouTube does uh, pitch meeting videos, which are just like sarcastic uh, videos about movies. And we watched the one for Bird Box after and it was like all of the things that I said were a problem with this movie. He made a joke about and I was like, yes, validation. <laughs> yes. But so also true. screen rant doesn't pay their writers very much. So do not support their videos. Yeah, that's why I didn't mention screen rant. I just mentioned the creator himself. <laughs> yeah, go subscribe go. to Ryan George. Don't subscribe go. to screen rant. <laughs> um, final thoughts. I'll go first. I brought it up, so I'm going to go first. <laughs> I, my final thought is that I don't think that river scene is, is I don't, I think the river scene is fine. I don't think interlacing the river scene with everything else. It didn't need else, to be there. I it, agree. It doesn't add anything other than that one moment of where the guy is like, why don't you take off your, your blindfold? And we're like, whoa, what's happening here? I think they could have <laughs> recut this movie in a linear fashion and it probably would have been just as good. It's almost kind of admitting that the river scene is boring as fuck. That's why you had to throw it between more interesting scenes. Um, <laughs> Hot takes. Yeah, that's that's my final thought. <laughs> Krista, awesome. what's yours? Uh, mine is the unknown is a very easy fear to play off of because we're all afraid of the unknown. Um, but I feel this like this story really leaned too heavily into that without actually giving it, us any stakes to fear it. It's like, oh, the lights are out. Okay, why should we be afraid though, right? <laughs> like they didn't give us any reason to actually fear this unknown. Yeah. Yeah. Mine, I I just love post-apocalyptic stories because of the fear of humanity more than the fear of what is causing the apocalypse. 
And I feel a bit robbed because that was such a more prevalent theme in the novel. Uh, but that I do want to say we do this a lot on the show where we like tear films to shreds. Um, I still enjoyed Bird Box. Like I've watched it many times. I'll probably watch it again. Uh, I love Sandra Bullock's performance. She's very believable. Um, But I do like the novel better. It is a very easy read. It's a quick read. I recommend it. Go to your library. Well, that's been Bird Box, a movie about learning to stay inside and going on scary trips to the grocery store before it was cool. (laughs) True. Watching this in 2021 is a different experience. Hit hard. Hit hard. (laughs) Yeah. Next week, we'll be watching Things Heard and Seen from 2021 because the last poll we did was actually a tie by the time the uh, poll was closed. So we did Brightburn originally, but we got to do both. And Kelly's mom, Colleen, is going to be joining us. Yeah, with her real deal. We'll we'll see how (laughs) she handles this. The responsibility. (laughs) And remember, always scream responsibly. Ah! Thank you for listening to Drinking and Screaming. Drinking and Screaming is produced and edited by Charlene Bear. Our sound engineer and local designer is Kelly Wright. And it's hosted by, yep, you guessed it, Kelly Wright and Charlene Bear. For bonus episodes, Patreon poll voting privileges, and exclusive rewards, become a patron at patreon.com slash drinkandscream. Want a shout out? Review us on Apple Podcasts and we'll read your review live on the show. For more information, check out our website, drinkingandscreaming.com. 